did awesome. You know, they say that like for youth pastors, you know, at, at some point, and I've talked to some of the area youth pastors that like, they're kind of your kids. Like, and that works well for me and Ashlyn right now. Like, they are totally our kids. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> we love these guys. Would you go ahead and bow with me before we jump into the service? Dear Lord, we just praise you for what you're doing uh, here in Three Lakes through the youth uh, specifically, Lord. We thank you for their gifts, their abilities, and the, the training um, that, that they're receiving, Lord, to be able to use those gifts in incredible ways, in ways that honor you, in ways that um, only further your kingdom here in Three Lakes. And I pray, Lord, um, that as we discuss um, what it means to have an eternal perspective, as we have so often with the youth, that that would be something that would resonate with all of us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. It was the middle of the night. No, honestly, it was more like the early morning hours. Pete had finally gotten to sleep. When, of course, the sound that nobody likes to hear in the middle of the night occurred. Of course, Pete jumps up out of bed, shoots a nervous glance over to his wife, and then realizes that this is kind of like a nightmare, that the kind that just keep playing over and over. It's happened three, four times already this week alone. Reluctantly, he, he puts on his slippers, pulls the robe over his shoulders, and begins shuffling over towards the door where he, he, he pulls open the, the wooden latch that holds it in place. And when he does, a young man just falls into the room almost. It causes Pete to lurch back a little bit, taken back by the whole scene. But he quickly gains his composure and helps the young man up and into a nearby chair, helps to catch his breath, gives him a glass of water. The young man gulps the water down in an instant. And as soon as he does, he begins to relay his message frantically. Pete quickly asks the gentleman, shh, shh, please, please, I don't want to scare my family. Because Pete knows that there's no good news that comes at this hour of the night. And unfortunately, this wasn't going to be an exception. Have you ever been there where you get that news that takes your gut and twists it in about five different directions? where it hurts to the point that you can't even talk, let alone cry. That's what Pete was experiencing here. He mustered up enough strength to be able to thank the young man and send him back into the night. And about that time, his wife comes in from the room and, and to check on her husband, and he knows that he's got to tell her. He knows that he's got to, to tell her the news that, that Paul, the, their friend... <laughs> This missionary that, that they've known, the champion of, of the church at this time, he's dead. No, not even dead. He was killed, beheaded. It wasn't like this was surprising, though. I mean, honestly, he's been in jail for some time. He's even written letters about how it's only a matter of time. It was more of a last straw for Pete. A last straw that he's seen far too many good men, women, and children killed. And, and killed for sport. Killed because they've been deemed as less than human. Killed because of one political nutcase's agenda to cover up one of the greatest blunders in his career. See, it was about a year ago that Rome caught fire. 
It burned to the ground, not just a building or two or a barn, but the whole city. And it was amongst the rubble as the people began to, to, to brush through what rema- little remained of their life, they realized this was no accident. No, this was arson. And not by some opposing force, but by their own emperor, Nero. I mean, they all knew he was crazy. He had his own mother executed, for heaven's sakes. But they never thought he would be capable of burning his own kingdom to the ground. You can imagine the political unrest that soon um, arose from this event. The political unrest when you have your king torching its own kingdom. And so uh, it wasn't long before Nero realized he needs a scapegoat if he wants to hold on to his kingdom. And so what better than to pin this on this small group of Christians? They already proclaimed that he isn't king, that there's another king that will return, this guy Jesus And again, save those people from Rome. So it's two birds with one stone. It's too perfect. Ever since that day, Pete has watched as his friends and family have been killed because of one man's lie. It's also ever since that day that Pete's watched and heard his friends and family say, It's too much. I'm done. (laughs) This whole Christian thing, I didn't sign up for this. At least when we were Jews, I mean, we didn't have to deal with the Colosseum. And they give up. And honestly, if, if, Pete, if Pete were honest with himself, he's even thought that a time or two. He's even felt that way a little. But not right now. No, right now, Pete remembers some words that he was told by, by his teacher, by his Messiah, his friend Jesus. Pete, look man, they're going to hate you. They are going to hate you because they've hated me first. Expect it. Now, Pete remembered those words because they they rang true right now. He understood the full meaning of what Jesus was saying at that time. But Pete's a man of action. I mean, sometimes we're better, but most of the time, a little bit on on the worst side of things. But he knew he had to act now. So Pete, with his heavy heart and his strong hands, those, those hands that have calloused from years working the nets, grab some rather unfamiliar objects, a quill and, and parchment, and he begins to write a letter, not a letter to grandma or a letter to a pen pal. No, Pete begins to construct a letter that would be to all the church at that time who share in his heavy heart, not even heavy heart, just just overwhelmingness of, of, of what's going on. And so he starts his letter, and he gets to a point where he says, remember, you, you are sojourners in a foreign land. Can you blame him? I mean, do you know, uh, have you been here in his shoes to, to some degree? Where Pete, you, you, you can resonate with the fact of, of his great grief, his sadness, that he is overwhelmed by as, as friends and family are, are murdered. You can feel the frustration of just, like I said, the, the, the reasoning behind the, the, the death going on. You can feel what was he, he was the rock that he had been commissioned by Jesus to build the church on. Well, he looks around and church ain't doing so hot. I mean, guys especially, can we resonate with the sense of failure that Pete must be feeling right now? 
It's real. We've all been there. Yes, maybe to different degrees, but we've all been there. I put up the slide this morning with the pictures of where are you today. We all come into this church in a different place. And my prayer is that we can understand through Peter and his letter here how we take the emotions of life, the overwhelming emotions of life, and how do we put an eternal perspective on it. Because I'll be real honest, that is critical. I I would list having an eternal perspective um, amongst the most important tools for a Christian, only behind the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and the church. And it's something we don't focus on much at all. And so as a youth ministry, we have taken this very seriously over this last year of what does it look like to be a sojourner. Because when you and I normally get to these moments where we're at our wits end, when we're just done, when life is just thrown an awesome one-two punch um, in our face, we, we normally it, we do a few different things. We might ignore it. Maybe you're just kind of one of those people who just, if, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. It does. <laughs> it quickly comes back. Or maybe you go to, to your vice of choice. Yes, there's, there's alcohol or that computer screen that you don't want your family to see. But there's also maybe just going shopping. Got to shop. Just buy, buy, buy. Just, just to dilute the pain. Or, or maybe it's food or whatever vice it is. Or maybe, maybe that social gathering where you just try to distract yourself from these things. That's not taking care of it. Or maybe you're like me. Where you just got to try harder. Come on, Andrew. Just go hard. Just You can do this better. And it's all on me. No wonder we live in an age where depression, stress, anxiety, and suicide is at all-time highs. It's no wonder we don't know what to do with these feelings. Peter gives us the key. Turn to First Peter with me, would you? In the back of your Bible... Eternal perspective. While you're turning there, an eternal perspective, um, I've defined it. uh, Jim, it's that first slide. I've defined it this way. It's viewing life through the reality of eternity and the truth of God's sovereignty. Catch it? It, it, It's viewing life through the reality of eternity and the truth of God's sovereignty. Over and over and over in this book, we find verses that speak to the reality of This ain't home. Heaven is coming. There's an eternity coming. Chapter 1, here's just a couple examples. Please look through this uh, book this week. It's a beautiful book for any believer. Um, But you've got verses like chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to um, his great mercy, he has uh, caused us to be born again in the living hope that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Or in 24, for all the flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower um, the grass withers and the, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You've got verses all over this book that speak to this idea of having an eternal perspective, viewing eternity and God's sovereignty hand in hand. And that's what we're holding on to. And that's critical. Because far too often, uh, the next slide, Jim, if you're like me, this is what I go to, an internal perspective, viewing life 
to the reality of now and the truth of my sovereignty. And I say that with a bunch of sarcasm. My sovereignty, really? Think about it like this. Think, I mean, how many of you guys love Legos? Still, come on. Come on, yeah, exactly. I, I actually heard uh, the past couple weeks that it is now a viable f- uh, form of invest. Like you can invest now in Legos, not just in stock, but like gold. You can you can buy Legos. It's a viable. So Mark, after this, wherever you are, uh, we need to talk of the service. I think my retirement, we need to move over into Legos. Um, but I am a huge fan of Legos. But think about it. With, with kids and things, you, maybe you've got Timmy and Johnny playing Legos here, and, and they're built, you know, Timmy's building this awesome spaceship, and Johnny's building a castle. Well, Timmy needs a certain piece, and so he reaches for it, but at the last second, Johnny grabs it and puts it on his. Well, what does Timmy do? Timmy's not, oh, I'll find another. Timmy pushes his brother over and, and says, I hate you. Am I, am I too far off? I, I don't think so. You know, that's what happens. Now, how is, is, is Timmy viewing the situation? Because honestly, they get along most of the time. They love playing Legos. Honestly, half of them are Johnny's anyway, so he better like him. But he, he, he views it through the lens of now, not the past events, not the past relationships, not, not anything other than how do I feel right now? Their mom might come in and say, now, Timmy, you don't hate Johnny. Well, he's not viewing it through his mom's perspective or his mom's idea. He's viewing it through mine. And how do I feel about him right now? I hate his guts. He took my Lego. And we laugh because it's a silly scenario that plays out too often, but that's how we, we apply things in our own life. Oh, that person got that promotion. Oh, that, that shouldn't have happened. Or my family is doing What? We've got these different situations, and we each, I can't come up with enough illustrations because we all have a very real one in our minds right now. And we've got to learn how to take a very well-trained, well-ingrained, well-indoctrinated idea of having an internal perspective focused on the now and on me and transition and train and allow the Holy Spirit to grow in us an eternal perspective. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's going to give us the illustration, the understanding of how to do that. How to stretch ourselves. How to let God work in us so that we can be the representatives that we've been called to be amidst the worst that this life has to throw at us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Sojourner. I'm reading out of the ESV intentionally. It keeps this word sojourner. Some of your translations might might have uh, alien or foreigner. I just like sojourner because it literally means a temporary residence. The idea is that, yes, and not just temporary as in like a night, but there is a period of time, but you're very well known that this time is temporary. 
That's what it means. And it's the idea that, Paul, uh, that Peter is trying to portray here. And through this illustration of a sojourner, he gives us clues on how to get the eternal perspective. The first slide there, Jim. Here we go. Know who you are. I've, how many of you guys have been out of the country? I'm a youth pastor. Come on. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Okay. Um, out of the country. You have to have a passport. And on this passport, it's going to have, the, uh, well, first off, a terrible picture, but also a, a, a name, a, uh, you know, eye colors, hair colors, your weight, your height, all these different things about you. But what's on the front cover? The United States of America for most of us. And so for me, when I went to Brazil several summers ago, um, I, I got to go and, and I had a passport. And even though I was in Brazil... I knew and everybody else knew I was an American. I have the uh, documentation to show it. That even though for some reason I am in Brazil, that does not make me Brazilian. And so no matter where I go in life, I know I am an American and everybody else does. Honestly, they probably know just from how I eat and how I talk, but at least I've got that there. But that's honestly what we need to know is who are we? And people should be able to see that too. Look at what Peter says about us. You're a chosen, chosen, picked race, a royal priesthood. We have that connection with God, a holy, set-apart nation, a people for his own possession. That idea of, of, of people for his own possession is actually that word possession means for his protection. It's the idea of not like this, but, but he actually shields us. He owns us to protect us. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. We're God's people. And I feel like too often we try to blend who we are with where we are. And that doesn't work out so well. Because if I, like I said, if I, if I went to Brazil and tried to bring America with me to Brazil, it doesn't... And then get frustrated with, why aren't these going together? Why don't they like football? And not football, but football. You know, why is that? Why do they not eat, like, Big Macs? And why do they, why, why do they enjoy, the, why do they even speak Portuguese, not English? Come on. And I could spend all day getting frustrated because who I am and this world, or this, this nation I'm in, they aren't blending. Well, welcome to the Christian life. So often we get frustrated thinking both ways, where we take our, our life and we try to just make it, our Christianity just fit in with the culture. We try to make it easy. We try to, try to blend it in in a way that, that, that makes us not too crazy, but, but yeah, we, we still go to church on Sunday. Or the other, where we get so fed up with all of them. Look at us, and we're trying to, they don't, they're not made to go together. And we should understand that. Just as much as Brazil and the United States are incredibly different. We've got to know who we are. But the second thing is just as important, know where we are. And I know number one kind of bled into that a little bit, but we've got to know where we are. This isn't home. This isn't home. This is temporary. Right now, this 80 years or whatever, this is temporary. How many of you guys go camping? Again, show of hands, come on. Camping. I when I married my wife and I loved my wife and don't worry I told her I was using her last night. <laughs> um, I knew two nights, 
Two nights is the limit on camping. Why? No bed, no microwave, no bathroom. Two nights. So I knew that very well. And so, but the, the reality is we can do anything as long as it's in the name of temp, being temporary. We can put up with, with a rock underneath our, our back or anything like that. We're having to walk, you know, half a mile for a toilet, whatever. We, we can put up with, we might even enjoy it and, and like have a nostalgia about the whole thing because it's temporary. We know it's not constant. And so, um, and so with Ashley and, and me, when we go camping, we go two nights, we have a good time, but we are ready to come home. It's the same thing in this life, guys. This isn't home. And I know you hear pastors and people say, this isn't home. Maybe even if your mom's like mine, she said over and over, well, this isn't home, Andrew, so it's not going to be fair and all this. And it's like, but when we actually truly take the time to grasp and apply that, that's big, guys. Why do we expect this to feel like home when it's not that's an important part about how to wrestle with having an eternal perspective and thirdly and hopefully none of you guys are english teachers because you'll get on me for this but i'm a youth pastor so there you go um know why you are i had to line up come on i had to keep with the the device here know why you are guys purpose is so critical is it not when i go to the gym (laughs) I don't go because it does nothing. I would not step foot in a gym uh, to, to, to weight lift or to run or anything like that if it had no purpose or no value to me. If it did not help me be healthy or be able to um, play basketball well or whatever it is, I wouldn't go. It's awkward. There are people that can lift like me plus whatever I'm lifting there. You know, it, it's just not an enjoyable time. But I go because there's purpose. There's benefit. Well, guys, did you see your purpose? Did you see the reason why God didn't just drop us here? Oh, you're Christians now. Well, have fun. We'll just live till you hit 80 or whatever, and then and then we can then then it's all going to be good. No, no, we have a purpose right now that we need to aggressively be after. Look, so yes, verse 11 he says that you're sojourners and exiles, but verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We are to have conduct that is so pointing to God that people can't help but see it. We are to be connected to God so well that people take note of it, even if they say they oppose it. That's our, that's our mission. And the only way we're going to do that, to be opposed by somebody, but also be an example to them, is if we have a good eternal perspective. That we're not living this life, it's nothing. We're living for, for eternity. Without having that purpose, without having a knowledge that this ain't home, guys, and without understanding that I'm a believer, I'm not meant to be here. We don't understand these things. An eternal perspective is going to be impossible, and we're going to continue to get hit by tidal wave after tidal wave, after tidal wave of just life. And now, in, in no way am I minimizing the pain that we feel. The Bible is clear. You know, mourn with those who mourn. I'm not minimizing and say, just get over it and just see. Etern-. No, don't hear that, please. That's not the case. But I'm saying when we have the proper perspective about those events, Maybe we're able to get through them in a much more appropriate manner. We're able to be an example 
that we've been called to be. And yes, that example even includes mourning. But we do that in light of eternity. I've got an illustration. This is the best way I've ever seen it um, just kind of wrapped up. No, this isn't for the youth. One guy, you want to grab that in and just take it as far that way as you can? That way, that way. Don't pull, you're going to get me knotted up here. All right, Kiyama, go all the way that way that you can. Keep going, one guy, keep going, keep going. Yeah, good. All right, Francis Chan, many of you know, you guys can have a seat, you did perfect. Just leave it right there. Perfect. Um, Francis Chan, uh, many of you know who he is. He, he describes it like this. He takes a rope, and he says that, imagine this rope, obviously it doesn't, but imagine this rope just continues that way. It's a timeline. It just keeps going. That's eternity past. God existed. Somewhere along here, you know, he created the world. There's Moses. There's Jesus. There's your great Aunt Ruth. Here's me. Then everything that way is eternity future. Don't ask me to explain much more than that about these two eternity past and eternity future. It's just what the Lord says. So we've got eternity future coming up, and this is my 80 years. This is Andrew. This is 1991, and this is I don't know when. But I think it illustrates just in magnitude We invest a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of frustration in this. And I want to say something, and I I wish I knew who said this, and honestly, every pastor they teach you at school, the first time you say something, you're supposed to give credit to a person, the second time you're supposed to say somebody said, and then the third time you say, I've always said. Well, I'm not doing that here, I just don't know. Um, I just don't know who said it. But this right here, guys, this is as close to hell as a disciple is going to get. If you know who said it, let me know. This is as close to hell as we get. But the opposite is very true. And so we've got to live our lives in light of that, understanding that this is also as close to heaven as a lot of people get. So why wouldn't they live live it up? Because eternity is a very long time, guys. And it puts perspective very quickly in our life. It just keeps going. We passed 80 years a long time ago. Our 401Ks, not going to last this long. What you do this afternoon, what the Packers do, not really going to matter. Not saying we can't plan, not saying we can't enjoy, not saying, no, God's given us those things to be blessed by. But let's live for what really matters. And honestly, this rope's just going to keep on continuing. That's an eternal perspective, guys. And when we start living in light of that, when we allow that to change how we live, then people see it. Then people see there's something different. It's not just a matter of how you talk. I mean, all those things are important. But when you actually have life change and you can deal with the crap that life brings, well, well, people really look up then. And then that's what we're pointing. Dude, it's not me. It's it's because of this relationship right here. And then they hopefully... We'll glorify God too. That's what we've been pushing as a youth ministry. That idea of having an eternal perspective even right now. Trust me, it's easier to build a habit now. And so we've been trying to ingrain this in us. Um, 
all year. This was the theme of our winter fest, our, our winter camp um, in last February. And it kind of outlined what we were pushing for for the entire year. Um, I do want to take the remaining few minutes um, here today, and I, I want to just tell you about our youth ministry, guys. We've got some awesome things going on that God is completely doing, and it just really does. I, it, it makes me so excited. I mean, you see youth up here using their talents and gifts, and, and I, I love that. I'm so excited. But we have gifts and talents in so many different fields that aren't up here. It's incredible. Now, I believe in a very relational style of ministry. I believe in that completely. I have to do life with my students. Again, they're my students, not yours. They, I have to do life with them. Ashland does life with these kids. But the thing is, we can't do life with everybody. I wish I could. So that's why our team is so incredibly critical. We have a team of volunteers that I just want to brag on for a little while. Um, Josh Welsh, he's not able to be here. Um, he, he just had um, a LASIK eye surgery, which is awesome. We're excited for him to be able to see, but he's not here today, so um, so we can say whatever we want about him. But we we think he's great. We're excited for him. But that guy, I mean, loves to invest in our students. Man, he's poured so much time and energy and resources, taking them out to breakfast, youth group, whatever, just doing life with our students. And I just so appreciate Josh. I see Gary being dad out there. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Gary has been with me from the very beginning for the, um, of my time here, which we're now in year three. That's crazy. Um, the, uh, Gary's been there from the beginning. Mr., uh, you know, no matter what, he's been there. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Even, you know, just had a baby girl. We're so excited to have her into the, the youth ministry family. But uh, even through it, Gary's right there, ready to help however he can, whenever he can. So I just thank you, Gary. Um, Hasso, Haley Elmhorst, where is she? there she is. Haley was a senior last year. You might have remembered her up in, in May up here talking about um, graduating and everything from high school. Um, and she's come back to, to help with our junior high girls. And it's just been cool to see as she's grown, her taking that growth and then pouring it back into those girls. And we love having Haley a part of it. And thank you, Haley, for what you do. Scott LeBouy, are the LeBouys here? I, didn't, I don't see him. Okay, Scott um, has done guys' breakfast for a long time, and, and, and he always has a delicious meal prepared for us and, and, just, a, and just an open heart to just talk. <laughs> and what, what more do we need, honestly, food and being able to talk. Um, but that, that's awesome that he provides that for us. Um, and also, he went with us to Minneapolis with about 25 or I think 20, 25 people to Minneapolis, a bunch of junior hires. Um, with, with a team of us, um, and just did great. He um, just invests in those kids and loves those kids a lot. And so I just want to say thank you to him. Um, that also then brings me to Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl did the same thing with Scott and, and was um, able to uh, go with us to Minneapolis, and, and they had the fun bus. I, I was the lame bus. They had the fun bus, and you, you understand why. Um, so we just thank um, Cheryl also for just the dedication and pouring in uh, for that really big weekend. Um, we also have a, a thing called districts, um, and, and at districts is kind of the larger version of that conference for the junior hires. It, it's held in uh, Green Bay, and um, and so we had to have some extra help. Get, the youth ministry is getting too big, and so not too big, just larger. And so um, and so we've got um, a few people. Ann Epler um, came along and helped us out on our team for for three days. Um, and just poured in, and then had to go to another conference right after, but gave us that time, so thank you, Ann. Ryan, where are you? 
Ryan Kearns is only here for a limited time, unfortunately. Ryan has um, over, uh, went to both uh, the junior high and the senior high um, retreat and has been a part of Guy's Breakfast. And just as he has time, he's, he's just really poured in. And so, again, even though Ryan's only here for a temporary basis, thank you, Ryan, for what you've done for our kids. And, of course, um, my wife, Ashlyn, she should be running this thing. She knows everything I know and then some. Um, she's there for junior and senior high every night and, and just pours in and does life with those girls. And so I know I couldn't do it without her, and so I just want to brag on her a little bit and embarrass her, and then that will be done. Um, so that's our team. That's our team um, that has really taken this year and poured in to these students. And I know many of you have as well just outside of the ministry, and thank you. Thank you. It takes a church. It really does. Um, and so I just wanted to say thank you. A couple highlights from this year. I mean, number one, we've had three students come to know Christ this year, which is praise God. I mean, that, that, that's why we do what we do. Um, so that, it's really, really is a privilege. Um, the, the other thing, you can't necessarily measure it as well, but just the discipleship that has occurred this year, the growth in our students, it's pretty phenomenal. They challenge me every week. I'll be real, real honest. It's so cool seeing people wrestle. You know, Israel. What, what does Israel mean? Those who wrestle with God. Yeah, uh, that describes our kids well. You know, they don't just take it and just like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus. No, why? How? What does this look like? I love it. Love it. And so I just, uh, our students are great. And so, yes, we're thankful for those three who have accepted Christ and, and, and get to have that eternity with him. But we're also excited about those who have just really taken their faith seriously. We've done Rooted. Um, we've done a number of different studies. We've just, we've even, Guys Breakfast is designed for guys to lead and actually train themselves in how to teach. Because if you can articulate your faith, then you can own it. Um, so just really excited about that. Um, also, I'd be remiss to say, we, we've got a, a New Orleans trip uh, coming up this summer where we will be partnering with Urban Impact Ministries, and we're taking a team of about 1920 down to New Orleans. Um, and while we are there, Urban Impact Ministries um, is an organization that goes into the worst cities in, in the United States and says, okay, we're going to make this a safe place to, to, for a kid to ride their bikes. That's their mantra. But they do it through, um, through partnering with the local church because you've got to help the people spiritually. That's the most important. But at the same token, you can't just do that. And so they go into these impoverished areas and help them get jobs. They help them uh, understand how to manage finances. They help them uh, with just physical needs. They help them um, how to go about obtaining a home. All these different things that they need, counseling, marriage counseling, family counseling, they try to provide. And it's incredible the work that they've been doing in New Orleans. I've been a part of that trip several times, and so I'm excited to be taking a team of students and having the students partner with them and being able to see what God is doing when everybody else has thrown up their hands and said, nah, just stay away. That is so cool, guys. And so to have our students being able to be there and be a part of that and have the experience of the, of the culture and have the getting to see just New Orleans and the difference that God is doing there and just how it's different from here. Just so many awesome things going on with that. So I am so excited for that in June. And that's something that I would ask that you guys be praying about and um, helping because that, that is, there's a lot of work that goes into that. But more importantly, there's a lot that can be done through that trip. And so we want to do that well. Um, so that, that's a few of the things that are going on in our youth ministry. And so I, I really, um, those are kind of the highlights 
I'm going to put our students on the spot then for the rest. You guys, yeah, yeah, you guys didn't know about this. They're all like, um, but I want you guys to be able to talk to these students. They're the ones who go day in and day out. Ask them, what, what, what's God doing in your life? Yeah, yeah, start thinking, guys. No, hopefully it's not that hard. I want you guys to, to, to get to know these kids. Look, I, I say it every time I can get up here. They aren't the church of tomorrow. They aren't the church of next week. They're just as much part of the church as anybody. They are the church today. And so it's important that they have the ability to invest in us as they did this morning. But in so, like I say, every week they invest in me. But also, we need to be investing in them. So get to know them. Understand what, what makes them tick. Take them out to breakfast. Do whatever. Do life with these kids. That's youth ministry, guys, as a church. You guys support us so well in prayer, financially. Thank you. This is, this is a ministry that you support very well. And we're incredibly thankful for that. I just ask for that time, too. It's so important. And just investing in them even now. Make sense? As I say with my students, kapish, kapash, nice. All right. Um, I just want to go ahead and, and pray for us. And, and again, a reminder, Mel and Amy are here. I said in the announcements, if you didn't catch, um, they're here and, and would love to, um, to share what's going on with Josiah Venture and their family. So please consider staying for the Sunday school hour um, for, to hear from them. Um, neat, neat family. If you don't know them, and just the ministry. I mean, like I said, they're former um, family that that went here and were the pastors here, and so we're just so excited to have them here again with us. We love that relationship. Um, and 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 odd thing, I'll just share this real fast, and we'll be done. 